Hello. Hey, guys. Uh, welcome to our special Saturday episode of SG Explained. Um, thanks for joining us. Uh, if you're asking why we're doing it on a Saturday, we thought we'll try something different. Uh, also, because Willie and I are slightly busy this holiday season. We're, we're traveling. We're yeah. traveling around a lot. Uh, I just came back from a trip, actually, and Willie's going to be traveling uh, pretty soon. So we thought, why not use this as a way to experiment? Uh, we'll try doing it on a Saturday, uh, and and this is this is why we're doing it. The topic for today uh, is is basically um, quite interesting. We're going to be taking something quite recent about um, the Malaysia Singapore dispute mm -hmm. over borders. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of us have been very curious about what's happening. We know there's a lot of heated arguments going on, yeah. uh, especially with with uh, the recent elections in Malaysia and what that means for everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, so we thought, why don't we actually go and do an episode about it, trace the history, trace actually how these borders or even pseudo-borders, right, like these, these regions of, of, of control that we have, uh, what do they mean and, and how, how does that affect us? So I actually know nothing about this. Willie, this is your domain of expertise, both because you're naturally interested in this, but also because... You've done a lot of work in your in your NS uh, related to this, so mm -hmm. so. Uh, oh, somewhat having a basic understanding of uh, borders is very important for the military. Sure, sure. Yeah. So so I thought, why not you 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 lead the charge on this, and, and I'll ask questions sure. along the way. And of course, um, for those who are watching today, um, if you have any questions, just leave it in the comment section, and then of course we we'll definitely want to find out and really hear from you what your views about uh, the recent border. Uh, situation and really uh, uh, what are your thoughts about how we can manage this as well absolutely yeah and of course um, if you have any questions of things that we're going to be talking about today of course definitely leave a message as well we really love to hear you yeah and of course once again if you have any topics that you feel that we should do for the next episode likewise please leave a message we really love to hear that you know what I uh, today we're going to be talking about the Malaysian Singapore border history Okay. And also about what exactly are the current borders and situations that we have right now. Right. And I, I think um, um, I, I think a lot of people don't uh, may, might not realize, but um, that Singapore Singapore is not just it's not not in contest with just the borders along its uh, its uh, coast, mm -hmm. but it's also uh, disputes among the borders in the airspace as well. Right. So there are two things going on right here. So are you saying that it's not just uh, a land border, but there's also a sea border uh, or a maritime border and also an airspace border? Typically, typically, I mean, uh, wars are fought over land and sea borders. Right. right? I mean, already typically land borders and then thereafter sea borders. Right. And now I think there's some situations in which people actually are determining, especially in our region, about what uh, was the rights to manage the air control borders as right. well. Yeah. So that, I, I think that that is something that... Um, really complicates a lot of things as well. Yeah. And I think people may not have a, a really full idea of what's going on, uh, what exactly is determined by sovereignty and what is actually a managed area of borders. Right. Yeah, so so that's, that's really something we'll be discussing today. Yeah. And uh, and I guess it's, it's interesting because Singapore is an island, so technically we don't share borders with anyone, like mm. land borders. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but that is also where we have this, I mean, there's so many things we've had, land expansion with yeah. like, a land reclamation. We've had uh, what's happening with our airports yeah. and like the need to like manage airspace beyond just the island. So I can totally see how this is a much more complex area than just what is our physical mm. uh, border, mm. right? I, I guess that's what you're trying to get at mm. with, with with this. Mm. Yes, yeah. definitely. Now, I mean, let me ask you a question, Rovi. I mean, also for 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 all our guests as well. What do you think is the Borders of Singapore. I mean, our sovereign borders. Right. What is your impression, and how, how do you how far do you think it extends? Right. So I think we have the mainland. So we have, uh, we as we know in our one of our last episodes, this mainland has its its, its own name as well, which I've forgotten. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but there's a mainland, and then we have a bunch of other islands like Sentosa and like uh, Pulau Tekong, Pulau Ubin, and those those are our our sovereign property right uh, land land yeah uh, and beyond that we have also uh, a, a, a coastal boundary 
mm-hmm. you know, uh, and that's that's ours. That's ours sovereign as well. Okay. Um, yeah, that's 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 all I understand. And how long, how far do you think they extend? I mean, what do you think apart from just the land and possibly just? Uh, I suppose what you might be indicating is uh, uh, the the coastal areas extend out to a specific amount of right. space out of the land. Right. Uh, how far do you think this I have no idea. actually extend? Out? I have no actually, idea. Actually, our our borders don't really um, extend out to just how how far away we are from our land, uh, 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 our land above sea level. Right. It actually extends out way more from some some areas as well. Okay. So it's quite interesting actually to find out as well. I think uh, there's also things like Petra Branca. Right. It really is actually extended quite far away from our land yeah. area, but it's still considered our borders as well. Yeah. So th- these are things that may- maybe we can also discuss. But let's just jump right in here. And of course, guys, if you have any questions, just please ask. So essentially... The Malaysia-Singapore border is an international maritime border. Mm-hmm. So we have no land or specific land that touches another country. Mm-hmm. And all our borders are essentially maritime in nature. Sure. So uh, compared to other countries like, for example, Malaysian-Thai border, mm-hmm. or, the, or for example, the Chinese and the Russian border, uh, we don't have any land-based borders. And all our borders are actually maritime base okay so i mean that's quite obvious for most singaporeans but for those who don't know this is what's happening in singapore sure yeah and uh, between southeast asia countries of malaysia which lies to the north of the border and singapore to the south so this is essentially it the boundary is formed by straight lines between the maritime geography coordinates running along or near the deepest channel of the straits of johor Mm -hmm. okay uh uh, so essentially it's like forming a forming a line maybe almost right in the middle between uh, Malaysia or Johor okay. and Singapore, and if you just draw a line along along the Singapore Johor uh, boundaries, that's how we that's how actually we carve out okay. our land. So the western portion of the border beyond that uh, that delimited by the night there was a 1995 agreement that goes into the western sector of the Singapore Straits, while the eastern portion of the border actually um, border is actually beyond the eastern terminus of the defined border continues into the eastern section of Singapore Straits. So actually, it's a lot further as well. Okay, yeah. Outside the border defined by the 1995 agreement, this was actually an agreement a long time ago, there is still no formal agreement between the two countries to delimit their common borders, and this has resulted in several overlapping claims. And one of the things I think right now we have in today, especially uh, we're talking about uh, uh, 14-ships incursion into the Singapore, or seas, uh, the Singapore Sea, is exactly this thing that we're talking about, which is something uh, uh, an agreement. We haven't come to an agreement as to the westernmost, southernmost areas, what that border is actually defined between Malaysia and Singapore. Hmm. And that's why we have this dispute today. Right. Yeah. Why, why was there no formal agreement before? Because I think the, the last formal agreement was actually the 1995 agreement, which only carved out to that portion between, uh, between the land masses of Singapore, between Johor and Singapore. Right. But I think through the years, uh, you could also have things like determined by... Um, a land reclamation, right? And how do you define those areas? So I think these are the, these were some things that weren't really uh, really covered on on uh, either party might have gone to the table to discuss what exactly those uh, agreements or land areas should be, or rather sure. those borders should be. So this is what we are having today. So essentially, Singapore claims a three nautical mile or six kilometer territorial sea limit from its borders or from its land borders, while Malaysia claims a twelve nautical mile or twenty two kilometer territorial sea limit. Oh, so wow. as you can see, I think at some point in time, if you compare the two land masses, they're going to overlap. Right. Yeah. And this is the point where they start to, I mean, they start to have this disputes about what those land areas should be. Right. Yeah. So this is exactly what we have as well. And similarly, I think that is also what's happening to the other side in our eastern borders as well. So I think let's, let's, let's continue and see what we sure. can find out, all right? So, so, so far what you've been talking about mm-hmm. is the western and southern part. That's right. Okay. Which is, uh, I think, conveniently uh, something that has been in dispute. I think as of today, uh, there's only one boat left uh, in, in the supposed Singapore right. uh, claimed waters right. uh, that the, uh, the Malaysian government vessel is still residing in. Right, right, yeah. right. Mm. So following the International Court of Justice decision on 23rd of May 2008, on the sovereignty, of, we're talking about now the eastern side of right. Singapore, uh, the sovereignty of Petra Branca, which is like almost like a... Uh, a series of rock formations right. at the very extreme eastern side, yeah, uh, which gave the uh, sovereignty of Pachuranga. They gave it to 
Singapore. Right. So uh, the new portion of Malaysia Singapore Maritime Board around the island will also need to be determined. So mm -hmm. this was something that uh, I think uh, even after there's a 2008 ruling by the uh, International Court, there are some areas that still needs to be determined as well. So right. the island lies, this island of Syria, uh, it's called the Petra Branca, actually lies 44 kilometers from the easternmost part of Singapore. That's really far. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like almost one more Singapore away. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also about 14.3 kilometers southeast of the Malaysian coastline. Right. So if you can imagine, it's like Singapore and really an extended amount, uh, all the way 44 kilometers away, where uh, we actually have borders up to that particular proclamation. Right. Mm. So what, what was the logic behind giving it to Singapore? Because uh, hmm. I, I always heard about Petrobranca and I understood it as an issue of sovereignty because uh, if that was if that was given to Malaysia, for example, we'd be we'd be seceding some kind of like sovereignty to them. Mm -hmm. If it's so far away, what was our interest in keeping it? Uh, number one, and, and and why why was it such a big deal? Mm -hmm. I think one of the things uh, could potentially be, and the court rulings was determined by the fact that um, the British actually left us with the inheritance of this particular lighthouse okay. as well, and and and, the, and also the control of the uh, Petrobranca formation as well. Right. Yeah, but of course, this this is this has become a series of uh, disputes as well as to what really was interpreted by the uh, during the period of time where uh, Singapore was like a crown jewel of the British Empire, right? And how exactly that. Uh, translates to in the modern day borders as well. Mm. And I think, I suppose, even that particular uh, rock formation is actually something that is really contested as well. And I think even up to very recent uh, years in the new millennium, in the 2000, uh, 2000s, still up to today, still uh, disputed right. as to what, uh, who actually rightfully owns this. But of course, uh, the International Court of Justice already uh, determined that for uh, both parties, right. Singapore and Malaysia. And I think uh, it continues to be sort of like, uh, as much as root already continues to still be a point of dispute mm -hmm. up to today. Yeah. If, if we, do you think we'll have time to go into it today? Because if not, we may we may want to do a whole episode on the the logic behind Petrobranca. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope that we have time. Yeah. Uh, let's let's try our best. And of course, if everybody really wants to talk about it today, yeah. uh, or maybe in the next episode, we we can actually talk sure. about it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, of course, uh, that, uh, to not say that there is no land uh, masses joining, conjoining between uh, Malaysia, Peninsula, and Singapore is, is not entirely true. Right. Uh, we have two, essentially two structural crossings. Right. I think everybody knows. We have the Woodlands one and the yeah, Causeway. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Causeway, and of course, we call it the, the, the other one called the Second Link right. into the uh, western part of Malaysia, yeah. and the western coast of Singapore. Yeah. And uh, of course, we also have international ferries between. Uh, Johor and Singapore. Sure. Yeah, and, uh, and and this is actually at the eastern end of the island. So kind, kind of interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah, we've got two, two land masses, one in the north, one in the west, and we have two, another crossing by ferry actually from the east. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so essentially this is the whole construct of what uh, we have right now, what the Singapore borders, and really this is all determined by the maritime demarcation of where Singapore lies. Yeah. So just just for those who are tuning in, just to give a sense of what exactly it is we're talking about, we're talking about the Singapore borders, which extends all the way very close to the Malaysian um, peninsula on the west coast. Right. Right. And right at the south is where the points, uh, where, where, the, uh, where the land masses don't actually uh, meet anymore, right. or rather are not too close. Uh, those areas are the points of contention okay. that we're talking about. And of course, we have the eastern side of uh, between Singapore and Malaysia, right. where it is the Petra Branca, and really 44 kilometers away from the Singapore borders uh, to this particular rock formation, which actually has a lighthouse. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the structure of our maritime borders. Mm -hmm. And down south is a very, very strict international boundary between the, uh, between the Malaysian Peninsula and also the Indonesian archipelago as well. Right. So this is actually a very, very determined uh, line. But so that is actually set. Yeah, that's already set. Oh yeah. wow! But the two, the, the eastern, uh, sorry, the western as well as the eastern boundaries, uh, right at the south of those areas, um, maybe Patrabanka is much clearer. But on the west, that's the area where it's really points of contention. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. Okay. So what do you think? I mean, understanding these boundaries, what what were your thoughts about how this is like, or 
Yeah, I'm just very curious on why no one ever said it, right? Like, like I, I think a key thing is, I mean, and I'm appreciating it mm. is that it's very difficult to make an agreement, mm. uh, especially when both people don't really want to concede anything. Mm. Um, and I think I can understand that probably a reason why we never came to a formal agreement was because we never had to, right? Mm. I think there were a lot of other things that Singapore and Malaysia had to settle. Mm. Uh, they were basically saying, like, why don't we focus on things that actually benefit us, mm. like trade or, 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 or human capital and all this kind of stuff. Mm. But now Malaysia is basically saying, like, hey, actually, you know what, we want to do something with this maritime mm. area. Uh, and that's where the lack of a formal agreement kind of becomes an issue because now Singapore is like, whoa, 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 we never actually agreed on this. That's right. You can't just unilaterally say something. Mm-hmm. And then make it make it so. That's right. Right. That's right. So, let maybe let's let's talk about. I think we, we wanted to hear about what exactly is the history of how these uh, how this entire border was actually right. Uh, Absolutely right. Yeah. So let's look at it. Essentially, the history is the border between Malaysia and Singapore only came into existence in the 19th century. So very recent. Yeah. Uh, with the establishment and subsequent cessation of the island uh, of the uh, to the of the British East Indian Company, we have heard this name a lot, right? Yeah. British East Indian Company. Uh, by the Sultanate of Johor in 1824. Right. Right. Prior to that, Singapore was an integral part of the Johor Sultanate and subsequently the Johor Rau Sultanate as well. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of, uh, for those who know in our last last episode, we were talking about all these different uh, borders and empires that were actually owning the uh, Malaysian Peninsula, right. the Indonesian Peninsula. Uh, this is Chicago. our pre, pre-colonial history. Of exactly, Singapore, that's right. right. And of course, we've been shifting borders so often, uh, it's really di- difficult to actually determine what is a historical standpoint right. or where should we then determine those borders mm-hmm. because we're Sharavana period, we have different periods. I think that's that's really very hard, historically very difficult to determine. Right. right. So the border changed from being an international border to a sub-national boundary uh, and vice versa several times. It became an international border after the cessation of Singapore to the East India Company by Johor in 1824, as Johor was now de jure, how, how do I pronounce this? Yeah, I think we pronounced it. De jure, right. a sovereign state. Yeah, right. so until Singapore was actually a sovereign state separate right. from the, the Johor Sultanate, right? Right. Yeah. In 1914, the border became that of between two British root territories when Johor became a British uh, protectorate, while Singapore remained a British crown colony. Right. Mm. So, so when when the Sultan basically gave Singapore to to the British, they were basically saying, "All right, this is an international border mm-hmm. because technically Johor is its own thing." Yeah. Uh, but then once Johor became uh, protected by the British uh, yeah. as a protectorate, yes. then basically uh, because both were kind of British related, then they became uh, a sub sub national territory. That's right. So right. I, I think it was also divided due to governance as well. Right. A protectorate as well as a crown jewel colony. Right. And so that's how exactly how the entire borders was really formed. Right. So what what happened basically after Singapore and Malaya and Malaysia and all of that happened, right? Mm-hmm. Because there was a whole independence that's right. from the colonial rule and all that's that right. stuff. So that, that would have changed everything. Of I course. Imagine. Of course. Right. Yeah. But I think that was actually the point of contention, right? right. So let us carry on. So on 31st of August, 1957, right. the Federation of Malaya, which consists of only Peninsula Malaysia, right. uh, which included Johor as a component state, became independent, and the Johor-Singapore border again became an international boundary between the sovereign state of Malaya and the self-governing British territory of Singapore. Right. So it's between, and it became between uh, the Malaysian Peninsula and Singapore as a British territory. Right. Yeah. On 16th of September 1963, Singapore merged and became a component state of the Federation of Malaysia. Right. And rendering the border between two uh, component states of Malaysia, uh, the border again became an international border when Singapore chose to be separated from Malaysia on 9th of August 1965. That's right. uh, the Singapore National Day. And subsequently became uh, subsequently uh, became independent and it became a sovereign nation. Wow. So we've had, we've had relationships with Malaysia where the border was. So, yeah, I, I think the border becomes a very important issue when it's an international border. Of course. Right, because when it's a sub-national border, sure, like you still want to have your domain and you still want to have your clear markers. But at the end of the day, you know that you're governed by the same people. So 
and the people who govern are more or less going to be like, all right, like these borders are just in place for some kind of marking, right? right. Uh, but once it's an international border, so that happened, number one, when Johor gave it to, gave it to the British, gave Singapore mm. to the British. Uh, secondly, when um, there was a cessation of, 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 of when Johor became part of Malaya again, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so the Federation of Malaya. Uh, and then finally, when, um, when Singapore separated, right? The, the very famous separation from Malaysia uh, on 9th August, 1965. Yeah. Uh, so there's three times where we basically have to claim an international border. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the most recent one is, of course, from the separation. So that, that's actually the market at which we will be looking at most probably, right? Because anything before kind of, in my opinion, I have no history of maritime law mm. or, or border law, but in my opinion, that's that's basically where history history becomes relevant for borders. Mm, mm. So I, I think it's it's quite obvious <coughs> that the borders of Singapore is really determined by when the British Empire and the Malaysian uh, Peninsula were actually determined, right? Right. Singapore as a British colony and Malaya with its own uh, ruling from Malaysia Peninsula. Right. Well, and those uh, and our current borders actually uh, very heavily influenced by when they were separate as international sure. boundaries. Yeah. And so even on, uh, technically, I suppose the argument, I mean, for, as an opinion, would be yeah. when Singapore joined Malaysia, uh, they were actually giving away these particular territories that were British-owned. Right. And then thereafter, when it was rejected, or rather when they were leaving Malaysia, uh, or rather... Uh, let off from Malaysia. Right. Uh, those same lines that were previously added to Malaysia were now returned, mm-hmm. and these were heavily influenced by how the British were actually determining borders. Okay, yeah, you're space. right. Actually, yeah. I was thinking about this, and I realized that there is one area of land dispute mm. uh, that we didn't think about, which oh, was okay. the railway station. Remember, mm. because the railway station that was in Singapore, uh, which also, I think is is worth a whole episode. Uh, is is was contested to be Malaysian property, mm-hmm. right? When actually a lot of people were saying, "No, it's not Singapore land. Like, why is it Malaysian property?" Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so you could claim that to be a land dispute between mm-hmm. between Malaysia and Singapore. Right, right, right. I, I think I think um, growing up near a railway line as well. Yeah. I think I think there was also points of time where people said that you actually could lay a uh, lay claim to. Small little plots of land along the railway. Oh, is it? Yeah, and then you built your own garden. I think a lot of people were doing that, and then they had these small little like farms along the railway tracks. Right. Yeah. So I was growing up to that kind of uh, kind of things. I, I don't know whether that's true at that point of time, right. but I saw a lot of people who were actually uh, creating these uh, little plots of land as their own gardens, and right. farms. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't think you see them nowadays. Anymore. No, because I think, because I think. Uh... If I remember correctly, the ex Prime Minister Najib basically gave the land back to Singapore and mm. said that you guys have it. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I think I think there was a deal that was made. I, I'm not really too sure about it, but I remember. Could be another episode on its yeah, own as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But the, I mean, once again, uh, yeah, you're right. Actually, we, we had a land, sort of like land dispute at the point of time. Right? Yeah. Yeah, but at, at least for the context of today, I mean, since now that uh, the, uh, the land area has now been. Uh, really overcome, right? And I think now everybody uh, with that, now the major dispute is back to a maritime dispute right. between uh, uh, what is the interpretation of what exactly is the British-owned borders mm-hmm. and the Malaysian Sultanate borders and now how they translates to our modern time. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so let, let's, let's really go into scrutiny about actually what exactly are the disputes. I think we, we sort of like talked about it a little bit, mm-hmm. but let me let's go into a bit, a bit more detail sure. about why we're disputing in the first place. Right. So the Malaysian and Singapore government has have been involved in a range of disputes and disagreements which had tested the bilateral relations between the two countries. Most of these, including that over Karapati Tau Malayu, or Malaysia, Malayan Railway, Karatapi, we talked about. Actually. Uh, Karatapi, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Malayan railway land in Singapore are not territorial or border disputes as they do not involve questions of sovereignty over territory or territorial waters. There have, however, been two disputes concerning sovereignty or territory along the Malaysia-Singapore border. Uh, The more well-known one is that over Patrabanka, we talked about it, uh, which the International Court of Justice decided in Singapore's favour on 23rd of May 2008. Another case arose from a complaint by Malaysia over reclamation carried out by 
Singapore and territorial waters adjacent to the border with Malaysia. Uh, this, the dispute was submitted to the International Tribunal for the Law of the Sea in Hamburg by Malaysia on 4th of September 2003. I think Singapore was really doing a lot of land reclamation as it's part of expanding its country and population right. as well. And I think this was done over quite a long period of time. I think we're, Singapore's still doing some uh, areas of land reclamation oh, as of today as well. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about the first thing, which is uh, Petrobranca, right? right? So Petrobranca, as the island is known in Singapore, or Pula Batu Pute, which is known in Malaysia, mm-hmm. we actually have two names, right. uh, is an island located at the eastern entrance to the Singapore Straits and to the southeast of the southeastern tip of Johor. Right. Right. Together with two other marine features called Middle Rocks and South Ledge, uh, they were subject to a sovereignty dispute between Malaysia and Singapore. Right. So on 23rd of May 2008, the International Court of Justice decided that Singapore had sovereignty over Petra Branca, while Malaysia had sovereignty over Middle Rocks. Okay. Yeah. So there were the, these group of rock formations. Uh, the Middle Rocks belong to Malaysia and Petra Branca belongs to Singapore. Right. It left the question of sovereignty over South Ledge. Uh, which only appears during low tide to be determined later by stating that its sovereignty would depend on, on whose territorial waters it was located in. Um, the decision settles both Malaysia and Singapore. Uh, both Malaysia said immediately after the ICJ decision that a joint technical committee would be set up to determine the maritime borders in the waters around Petrobanka. Right. Mm. So, so basically, the actual land is settled. Mm. But the maritime area around it is still required negotiation. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. Okay. So Malaysia filed a review before the 10-year mark of the war in 2017. The review was subsequently withdrawn in 2018 by the new government putting the matter to rest. So it was actually uh, something that... The new uh, government being a recent Mahathir's government. Uh, yeah, because it's mm-hmm. in 2018. Mm, that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, very recent. And so I think they put the matter to rest, but brought out other areas, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... Maybe let's let's talk about the Singapore land reclamation case, right? And then that will give us an idea of what actually happened and what, what were these points of dispute on why um, Malaysia was in dispute about Singapore's borders, right? So the dispute resulted from Singapore's reclaiming of land in two areas, namely in the southwestern end of the island called the Tuas Development, so right. the Tuas area. I think there were a lot of like uh, industrial areas in the Tuas reclamation sites. Yeah, I mean we've yeah. been building our recent port there, yeah. Tuas port, right? That's right. I yeah. think we had, uh, uh, I think if I'm not wrong, we have water reclamation sites there as well. Okay, yeah. 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 We're all, all in the Tuas area. Yeah. And in the uh, and of course, uh, uh, the dispute also uh, follows uh, waters adjacent to Pulau Tekong in the Straits of Johor. Mm-hmm. So Pulau Tekong being known as a military island or rather an island that has military training yeah, yeah i mean right? we both of us went there for at least our bmt <laughs> yes so, exactly so we have memories there definitely uh, so the letter does not involve any en- encroachment into the territorial waters of malaysia and Mal- malaysia merely argued that the reclamation works will affect the environment of the streets of johor as a shared waterway so this was with regards to Tukong. yes that's right. they were saying Tukong, they yeah your land reclamation doesn't really enter into our maritime area mm. but we're kind of scared that you're going to affect the environment that's right okay all right the Tuas development, uh, however, can be deemed as a case of territorial dispute as Malaysia claims the reclamation works has encroached into its territorial waters in the area called the Point 20 Silver, right? The Sliver. A oh, Sliver, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So the Point 20 Sliver, the Sliver regarded as an anomaly by Singapore arises as a result of the un, uh, unilat- unilateral, eh, sorry, unilateral declaration of right. Malaysia's territorial waters boundaries as defined by a 1979 map published by Malaysia, where between turning points number 19 and number 21, point 20 strikes out to the east of the general uh, continental shelf boundary towards Singapore, thus forming a triangle of Malaysia territorial waters extending eastwards from the general north-south territorial waters boundary. Essentially, what we're talking about is land masses and formation, rock formations in the water or under the water. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So basically what we're saying is that um, Malaysia unilaterally in 1979 made its own uh, demarcation of the boundary mm. that Singapore does not agree with, mm. right? Because uh, while Singapore uh, has the boundary 
being more or less in a certain direction. Malaysia has it at point twenty going eastwards, mm-hmm. which would intuitively encroach into Singapore's space. Yes. And so whatever Tuas development is probably going over that point twenty That's right. uh, uh, sliver. So essentially, we are talking about a man-made border, or rather, a, a, a ease of determining where this border is. Right. Whereas somebody, uh, whereas probably Malaysia is looking at a geographical standpoint right. on how the borders should naturally lie right. using a continental shelf, for example. Right, and Singapore right. does not recognize that 1979 continental shelf boundary, yeah, right. and so does not recognize the point twenty silver and sliver. therefore mm. sliver. Sorry, uh, <laughs> that's a very that tricky too. word. Yeah, uh, and and. By virtue of that, basically, that's a that's an area of dispute. And I suppose I, I I guess that that's where really the point of contention really lies. Right. Yeah, because we have uh, a a a dispute between what is naturally occurring, right, and one what is created due to how um, uh, man-made boundaries are actually extended, or right. territories are actually extended as well. Right. Yeah. And I and I can see here that in two thousand three, like you mentioned before, Malaysia mm-hmm. submitted a case for the inter- international tribunal for the law of the sea. Uh, and the result that came back uh, in on on 8 October 2003 was that Malaysia has not shown that there's a situation of urgency or that there's a risk that its rights with respect to the area of territorial sea will suffer irreversible damage. So pending consideration of the merits of the case, therefore the tribunal doesn't consider it appropriate to prescribe provisional measures. And I and I think that's because uh, while Malaysia was asking for also a final response. Uh, it was saying provisionally, can you do something to stop to us about? Mm. Uh, and and the tribunal was saying basically, there's nothing too urgent about it. Twas can continue, uh, and if we make a decision later on, uh, mm. then then basically we'll we'll deal with it then, mm. right? So I, I think following on, I think because that that that's sort of like a, a pending judgment or rather a summary position pending the judgment of what this is right. is actually rejected. So after a 13-month study, the group of experts reported that 57 impacts identified, 40 could not be detected in a computer model, but not likely to be detected detectable out in the field, while the remaining 17 impacts could be eliminated by a prescribed mitigating faction. Uh, so this for, for all environments. That's right, that's right. right. So Singapore's agent, uh, I think um, Professor Tomiko said the happy news, of course, is that two delegations were able to agree on the appropriate way in which these recommendations would be implemented. Right. Which allowed both countries to come to more amicable solutions, resulting in termination of arbitration arbitration proceedings. But that was then. So I mean, mm. I mean, and that's a good thing because mm. I think that speaks to the power of bilateral mm. uh, diplomacy, right? Yeah. Because uh, I'm actually of the opinion that Malaysia, despite whatever political agenda that it may have had, um, environmental uh, causes are worth thinking about much more thoroughly, mm-hmm. right? And Malaysia bringing that up and Singapore saying like, okay, like, sure, we can recognize some environmental impact. Let's kind of deal with that. That to me is a good thing and speaks to the re- like the power of bilateral diplomacy. Right. Um, but, but we can also see that for the point 20 issue, mm. the two countries reached an agreement to not deal with the issue. Exactly. Right. Because so, so it will be taken up subsequently um, and there is no real... Uh, impact on both sides, like in terms of the rights that we're giving up so far, um, and so that they, they can they can deal with it later, and that's that kind of uh, that kind of snowballs into what we're seeing. I suppose uh, at some point of time, it almost feels like kicking the can down the road. Yeah, exactly. Until uh, until we actually can sort it out. Yeah. And I suppose everybody is not giving away its position or its rights right. on how this is supposed to be. So, um, at, but at least the, both countries have agreed at that point of time to. Uh, subsequently, in other negotiations, actually deal with it, right? Right. But both sides are recognized that neither side has given up on any of the rights they have under international law right. to the right to uh, to resort to other peaceful means of settling this outstanding dispute. Yeah. So what this means is that this dispute at these borders or what Malaysia is claiming and what Singapore is claiming to this point was actually an ongoing dispute for a very long while. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it, we haven't really come to terms until somebody decided to really... Uh, uh, take matters with their own hands mm-hmm. and really determine what those uh, areas are. Yeah. But as far as we can see, this is an ongoing dispute that has been covered for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I, and I think, um, really, why we are having all these things in the news, uh, really, uh, really is is a worthy point of dispute. Uh, I, I think of both sides uh, having this understanding would now uh, clearly understand why 
why um, Malaysia wanted to put 14 pesos as a, as a means of trying to determine their sovereignty right. and Singapore, Singapore trying to also uh, push what they what determine as their sovereignty. This was the overlapping dispute as well. Right. Yeah. And is this to do with the same point, 20 silver? Yeah. Sliver? Sliver, yeah. yeah. So like, like you said, the sliver actually extends into the Singapore territories that yeah. Singapore claims, right? Because of the geography. Right. Yeah. But that's where, uh, and that sliver is, I, I suppose, where the 14 vessels that were intruded into Singapore were. Right. And now uh, Singapore is contesting that Geog- uh, geographical border that Malaysia determined. Right. Yeah. So as for now, and of course the rank, rank, land reclamation that was actually determining this, and of course we're waiting for what, how uh, two countries are going to be determining what exactly are uh, how these uh, borders are going to be interpreted in the future as well. Right. Because because mm-hmm. from what I understand, uh, the recent movement by Malaysia is basically seen as from Singapore's side as an enro- encroachment of the port limits of Tuas's uh, territorial of the territorial waters of Tuas, mm. which is exactly what we're talking about over here. That's right. Because the Johor Bahru port limits kind of have a similar overlap as well. Mm. Wow. Okay. Mm-mm-mm. So I think what makes this recent case very interesting uh, is that the maritime issue is one side of it, mm-hmm. uh, but it's been conflated very much by the airspace issue, right? Mm. And I think that's because uh, basically, Malaysia started off with um, the maritime thing, and then when Singapore said, "Hey, like, come on, this space is actually ours," uh, Malaysia was like, "Ha!" But you guys took our airspace, yeah. Uh, so we're taking the maritime. It doesn't really work that way, for sure. But but I think I think that's that's definitely what's happening, mm-hmm. at least from the rhetorical side of it. Right, uh, right. And 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 to me, I'm actually very confused about the whole airspace issue because I get the land. Mm-hmm. I can kind of get the sea part of it and where the disputes are. So we have the sea, for the sea disputes, we have the Point 20 sliver and we have the areas around the Middle Rocks and Petrobranca mm-hmm. that still have to be agreed on. Yes. Um, but what about airspace? What's happening there? Sure. I, I think um, I think that's, that's a very good point because that's another area of the border we've talked about that right. we, wanted, we wanted to cover today. And really, I, I think the sovereignty of airspace is, and, and this other concept of, the management of airspace is completely different. Okay. The sovereignty of airspace essentially is, I, I suppose, is really the uh, the immediate air uh, airspace that's above the land that you lay claim. Right. Right. But the management of airspace is a totally different thing altogether, and is really determined, determined by the private sector right. already, or rather, the board uh, called the uh, International uh, Civil Aviation Organization. So what you're saying is that for maritime and land borders, those are kind of historically derived based on... Those are sovereignty. Yeah, those sovereign, are sovereign, sovereign. because mm. because those are they, those can come from, you know, depending on whether you won it in a war or depending on whether you inherited from a colonial government mm-hmm. or some kind of free, free government. Those are, those are determined. Those are in no way fluctuating or, or, or externally managed. Mm. But airspace is externally managed. Yes, that's right. Okay. So if you say that, um, uh, for example, the airspace above Johor, right. uh, it should technically be sovereignly um, um, held by Malaysia. Right. Right. So above Johor, definitely they meet the airspace. But the management of that airspace could be managed by another country. Okay. How does that work? Mm. So maybe let, let, let me give an idea what exactly is this uh, thing called, or rather this can, uh, how, uh, the management of this airspace, right. or what's the term used? Yeah. So this this thing, uh, that what we call about uh, managing airspace is determined by this word called the Flight Information Region, or we call it by FIR. Right. So FIR, according to the uh, Ministry of Transport, right, is, uh, is a specific region of airspace in which flight information service and alerting service are provided and managed by an air traffic services authority appointed by the International Civil Aviation Organization. Okay. Yeah. So it's essentially what it does is to manage air traffic uh, services and uh, for flight information and alerting and how to manage the organization all uh, of incoming uh, uh, air vehicles mm-hmm. in the air and how they should fly or should go into certain sectors as well. Right. So the current Singapore FIR uh, includes our national airspace, which is above Singapore, right. as well as airspace over parts of Indonesia, and the South China Sea. Okay. Right. There are other examples of the Air Traffic Services Authority of a country managing the airspace of another country as well. Right. There are many instances where other countries 
actually uh, manage another country's airspace. Right, because yeah. of their because of safety concerns. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So this this is actually not determined necessarily uh, as as a breach of a sovereign airspace, but really it's just uh really it's just a management right. of airspace right. uh, for safety concerns right. or really or keeping up to standards so that you won't you won't have civil aviation uh, accidents in, in the air. So this is also a point of contention, I suppose, when we're determining what exactly who should be managing whose airspace. Okay. Yeah. But as far as I understand what's happening with Malaysia right now, mm. basically what I'm hearing is that uh, it's actually to do with Salida Airport and the implementation of what is called the ILS mm-hmm. or uh, is it instrument landing system? Right. Right. And <clears throat> the reason for that is because uh, it's requiring any uh, flight to to basically use the instrument landing system uh, and especially airports mm. in the area to use the instrument landing system. Uh, and what happens is that by virtue of that, then you are creating additional uh, constraints right. uh, or, or requirements on, on these on, on both the airports as well as on flights. Mm. Uh, and the Malaysian uh, side is basically arguing that, you know, this is limiting uh, height limits on, 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 on developments that can happen. That's right. Um, this is limiting uh, any kind. This is basically creating additional burden right. on the Malaysian side. Uh, and Singapore is basically saying, okay, number one, um, this is a better system. Okay. It's safer and it's and it's, it's more useful. Uh, but more importantly, they went through a consultation period, mm-hmm. right? So this was where the whole um, for people following the news, uh, you would have seen that there was this whole back and forth between Singapore and Malaysia over uh, you know emails that were sent and right. emails that were not sent and mm-hmm. whatever uh, about you know like were they actually taking Malaysia's co- uh, needs in consultation right. Right, in terms of like are there any developments coming up? Uh, what are the flight limits, uh, and can we work around those? Uh, and basically, Singapore said, hey, <coughs> in this whole time, you never mentioned anything. Mm. And then now you're using this as, a, as an argument point sure. uh, in this whole thing. So I think that's yeah. one, one area where flight management becomes a sticky issue sure. because you are creating burdens on the surrounding regions. Right, right. So definitely this is, is, is really quite troubling for right. a lot of individuals right, as to how this airspace is being managed and how it actually uh, uh, intrudes into another person's sovereignty. But right. let, let me just give an idea of how big Singapore's FIR or flight information region is. Right. All right? The Singapore flight information region is more than 2,000 times bigger than the Republic's own airspace. Wow. That's really, really big. Right. right? And of course, and when was this determined? Historically, right? In, since 1946, Singapore has overseen parts of Indonesian airspace in Raoul, including the resorts islands of Batam and Bintan. Uh, the responsibility was handed to the Republic by the United Nations International Civil Aviation Organization called ICAO, which regulates global and commercial aviation. Right. So this was historically due to a UN body or UN agreement. Right. This was an assigned task for Singapore to govern this particular airspace that's really 2,000 times larger than its own uh, landmass right. or the own airspace, right? So, so, and and I think, of course, definitely, what that means is that it will definitely manage another country's airspace right. for that. Uh, 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 and I suppose it crosses across multiple sovereign uh, sovereign airspaces as well. Right. Yeah. I know. I know. Indonesia has basically argued that they they feel like they would be able to take the airspace back. Correct. Uh, how mm-hmm. does it work? Like, does, does Singapore is Singapore able to? say, okay, like, we want to give it back, or, like, does the ICAO basically do a determination and say, mm. like, hey, like, actually, Indonesia can manage its own airspace now. Um, is that possible? Right. Mm. Uh, I, I think uh, maybe just to continue as well is um, the flight information units are not carved out on national territories. That's right. what we know, right? Because right. it really is based on whether the technical and operational concerns uh, uh, allow for air traffic safety and efficiency. Right. I think these are these are basically awarded based on merit, right. of uh, your uh, a country or a, uh, an area's ability to control airspace right. efficiently. Right. And so we can see that Indonesian President Joko Widodo mm. uh, actually asked his officials uh, in this in his own national civil aviation. Uh, management to improve their personnel, improve their equipment so that mm. they can prove that they can take over airspace. Exactly. And so, of course, uh, this is not determined by Singapore. Right. In fact, 
uh, if, uh, for example, Indonesia um, is able to come to a point where they're able to manage their own airspace efficiently, right. uh, the ICAO may actually award Indonesia their, uh, uh, the, the rights to maybe manage specific airspace. Right. But of course, this is uh, in line with the international uh, standards that is necessary. Right. And, and so, and so Singapore is, needs to be competitive in order to, if it wants to maintain this, because from what I'm reading, mm -hmm. Singapore actually does have an incentive to manage that airspace as well, because mm -hmm. it makes Changi Airport, which is the key central area for most That's of right. this management, I'm sure mm -hmm. Salita has its own as well. Uh, uh, it, makes Sing it makes Changi Airport very competitive because it has to uh, do all of that work from there. Absolutely. Um, and, and if Indonesia is able to catch up, uh, which it is completely within its rights to do, mm. um, that may affect Singapore's competitiveness as well. Of course. So it actually creates a good competition mm. to maintain your skills. Of course. <coughs> and and I, suppose, um, I suppose right now the question would be um, um, between uh, disputing sovereignty right. and disputing the management of uh, specific uh, airspaces and not exactly to lay claim to a sovereignty are two really different things as absolutely, well. But absolutely. But they are also, in some ways, I suppose, an airspace concern, may impact certain sovereignty or concerns about sovereignty as well of a nation. Yeah. And I think this is the point of where our borders actually like Singapore is. Singapore is not just the Singapore uh, borders or rather the, the, the sea areas around it, but really extends to quite a significant area right. uh, in, its, in its own backyard. So I, I, mm. I think what I'm seeing uh, what I'm appreciating about all of this mm -hmm. is that number one, um, it is it is maybe not immediately an issue of sovereignty uh, because it is so ambiguous, yep. right? It is so fluffy, maritime and airspace borders. They're all virtual, mm -hmm. right? It's not a land border which you can physically uh, see yourself crossing Absolutely. as a human being. Absolutely. Uh, but those lines are important both to the country yeah. at a sovereignty level, but also mm. to the people because they determine exactly what kind of work you can do, sure. yeah. what kind of developments you can do. Uh, the airspace one becomes even more important because of the safety considerations tied to airspace management. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. think that is something that can change and evolve based on your competency and your, and your performance Naturally. in airspace management. Yeah. <coughs> so to, to, to really sum up, I, I suppose, um, um, Really, there's so many determining factors right. about um, and history, right. and that we are carrying out in this entire border conversation. Absolutely, right? and and really, it is a mixture of inheritance from uh, from people, our past masters, our right. past uh, how the countries were determined, and also really about international bodies' recognition on certain aspects right. that the things are actually determined the way they are. Yeah, and and you can see something like a sliver, the point twenty mm. sliver has such a major impact on 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 where you can put your ships, yep. and what TWAS can do, what the JB port can do. Wow. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it, it just goes to show how important these negotiations are and how much it's important to have good faith negotiations, right? Because mm. if you have bad faith negotiations where you're basically just trying to impose your will, mm. just trying to, to, to basically take advantage of the other group, then you're going to have a situation where a lot of the stuff that was talked about in this past few weeks, right, by both the Malaysian and Singapore side, I remember seeing there was one like pain by a thousand cuts or something. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was very graphic commentary mm. um, that personally I felt was a bit overextended. Um, mm. And you can see how much impact this kind of stuff had. Mm. <coughs> but I suppose our Malaysian, uh, Malaysian uh, counterparts as well would also determine uh, we'll also be questioning as to like, hey, why not consider this? Uh, this, this in some way is a natural occurring sliver. Right. It should be really determined as part of our, our position. And on top of that, this was never ever agreed upon in the first place. Exactly. Right. I can totally see how that argument arises, mm -hmm. but there is, yeah, that is when negotiation happens and where there is a recognition of like, all right, like what are we trying to achieve here? Are we just trying to achieve a geographical boundary or are we trying to achieve an actual functional boundary between the two of us that will actually mm -hmm. help the two of us right. prosper as nations? But I suppose the interpretation of 
what exactly is functional for each country sure. will be very different. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I think, I, I think of course, definitely when it comes to land and sovereignty, uh, everybody, of course, definitely wants to determine their own interests. Each country has its own interest to see how exactly uh, they, they should have. Right. Uh, similarly, I think to many different countries as well, uh, uh, for example, in the China uh, the China boundaries or what they determine is the Chalk China Sea right. uh, dispute. Uh, these are also disputes about borders as well. Yeah. And borders definitely is not just a concern about uh, really this is my land or your land. Uh, it's actually about uh, economic interest. It's also about um, uh, also about the ego. It's also about military interest as well. Sure. Uh, the safety of the country is also about trade routes. Oh yeah. Uh, it's it's about yeah. You're absolutely yeah. right. There's and, so many things. Yeah, and there's so many things that actually affect and why there's a need uh, to really determine these borders correctly, right. so that it, it comes to a point where both uh, uh, both countries or interacting countries, uh, uh, intersecting countries, right. uh, will want to determine where those borders really lie. Right. So that they either gain an advantage. Already to really meet their, their interests right. at hand. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I felt like I learned a lot <laughs> in this <laughs> uh, 50 minutes that we just went through. Thanks mm-hmm. so much for sharing all of that. Right. Uh, to, to those who are listening to us and, and viewing online, uh, first of all, apologies for the cough, uh, dry throat. I wish I, wish I had. Oh, you really, one. really held it in there all yeah. the way. <laughs> yeah. But, but more importantly, thank you for listening. Thank you for, for hearing us uh, for the past 10 episodes. Uh, it is the holiday season, so from Willie and I, we wish you a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays happy for holidays. anything that you're celebrating. Uh, we, um, If you're listening to us on podcast or you haven't listened to us on podcast, please go check us out um, for the longer episode where you can listen to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, give us your reviews and ratings because that helps us get found by more people, uh, and it's very, very important, so please help us out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but more importantly, we'll see you in January. Oh, wow. Uh, this is the last episode for the year. I actually didn't know that. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, so we're coming back in January with more episodes, but we want you guys to have a say in, in exactly what those episodes are, anything that interests you, that you feel are important, or that are way too confusing. Willie and I will do our best to, to de-confuse them uh, through our banter and conversation. Right, right. Um, anyway... I think uh, this is our last episode. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in this year. It's been quite exciting, I think. And uh, once again, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and Happy New Year. Yeah. See you guys. See you guys.